I've been a fan of Andrew Gaze since my basketball obsession in the early 90s. In fact, I owe him an apology for a cheeky prank call or two. He's arguably our most decorated athlete on the world stage, but that's not why I'm drawn to him. He's burning with an infectious optimism. He's unashamedly colourful and fun. So I invited him to the diner for milkshakes. Gazy, we're gonna we're gonna cover an, a whole heap of ground. Good. The, the slam dunk wasn't your signature. Well, and was it an athleticism thing <laughs> or was it a discipline thing? Of were you just very loyal to the finger roll and the layup? I'm kind of curious well, about this. Well, I, I really think it's important, and hopefully you've got the vision just to show that it actually did happen. <laughs> but if you don't have the vision, and those at home that are watching, um, just go to YouTube, Google in Andrew Gay's dunk, and you'll see <laughs> one, possibly two. <laughs> All right. Did you get any hard time? Were kids? Did kids sort of give you a yeah. hard time about not dunking? And because that yeah, was kind of the glory years. Absolutely. Uh, everywhere. Because back then it was the Michael Jordan era. Yeah, it was the. And it was the transformation of the game yeah. to this highlight reel stuff. Yeah. I think back of it now, and playing in the era now where it's all about the long ball, yeah. I was before my time. <laughs> because I could drop the non long yeah. ball. It wasn't so great sat on the... at, at the dunk. We've got some milkshakes on the way. Milkshakes? Yeah. Wow. I've watched you for a long, long time, and I thought, Thank you're, you. I thought you were a blue heaven man. Cheers to the... To Cheers the to you, my friend. I ask you about the dunk. I do yep. because as a young teenager, yes. I was uh, my group of mates, and we were basketball obsessed. Now, yes. I don't know, but one of the older kids claimed oh. to have gotten a hold of your phone number. So we're talking 90... Oh. It was like early, yeah. mid-90s. I remember a couple of afternoons where we would, oh. we would dial up oh, and no. yell down the... <laughs> Why don't you dunk? And then hang up. You're the one. <laughs> was that you? <laughs> The NBL in the early 90s, because I, I think people sort of forgotten just how big it yeah. was, just how big how big the show was yep. in town. And you were the biggest star of that of that time. Can you take us to the mood of the times and, and what it was like to be in the middle well, of it? It was extraordinary because when I first started playing senior basketball in the NBL, was back, my first year was 84. I actually yep. played senior basketball when I was 15. Yep. And back then, not in a million years did I ever think that I'd ever be making a living out of the sport, yeah, right. that I'd be playing it as a profession. Yeah. All my goals when I was a youngster, primarily because I had, I saw my dad yeah. uh, and, and his quest for uh, Australia to become an international basketball power, being born into that environment and learning about representing your country, what it means, uh, learning about the Olympics and about the spirit of competition. Yep. All those things were instilled in me at a very early age. Oh. So all my boyhood dreams and goals were around representing Australia. That was the pinnacle for me and was my greatest passion. Even then, at 84 Olympics, I was an Olympian. cost me money to go and represent my country at the Olympics. But you could see that there was this groundswell of 
of um, passion for the sport. It went from yep. playing in stadiums of 800 people to playing at the National Tennis Centre. Yep. Packed, and it was heaving, packed, 15,000 people. We played a game against um, the South East Melbourne Magic. This would have been 91, no, 92 it might have oh, been. Oh, I would have been watching. I would have been glued. And Fitzroy played North Melbourne, yep. I think it was, at the MCG, you know. Next door. 400 metres away. Yeah. And we had 15,000 there and they had seven or 8,000 there. Yep. And it was like... Hello, we've arrived. We've arrived. We're, we're, this is big time. What was the rivalry like? I'm, I've got I've got strong memories of mm -hmm. you mentioned the South East Melbourne Magic, but it was the Giants mm -hmm. and the Tigers. Was it yep. was was the biggest one with the Magic? Was that the most fierce? I think, do you yeah, think? I think the the Magic one was because both great teams. Yep. You know, both re playing really really well. Um, and was, I was it a good guy? Were the, were the Magic the bad? Were they the yeah. villains? They, they kind of that was they looked like the. They were the villains. They, yeah, they were the villains. But the they, Tigers they, were the good guys. They actually embraced it. Yeah, they, they actually wore the black hat. marketed themselves yeah. to be the villains. You know, the yeah. men in black. Yeah. Uh, were they yeah. a bit pistonsy? Were they a they bit were like bit thuggerish? Bit thuggerish. Not not a lot, but certainly a bit yeah. down and dirty. And yeah. um, we, I think, the Tigers were more aesthetically. Scoring, shoot the three, yeah. copes dunking, yeah. bit more panache about yeah. the way we went about it. Where they yeah. were a bit more defensive, grinded out, and it was great. And I think that added to it the contrast yeah. in the styles. And I look at the game the way it is played now. They've tried to enhance the offense a little bit more. They sanitised it a little bit. Yeah. So, so they put in place uh, sort of interpretations. Yeah that allowed for a little bit more creativity offensively. Yeah, okay. So you, you're, not, you're not copying the hits. Yeah. Like, back in our day, some yeah. of the stuff that you had to deal with, you, you just you, you don't see it these days. Do you, is, it a, is it a better game to watch now, or do you prefer the I rough think it and tumble? Is. There's also an understanding that this, we're in the entertainment business. Yeah. We've got to get out there and put on a show. Yeah. As, a, as an outside shooter and someone who used to reach Ooh. into the cookie jar nice and... Nice. Just I know. Out of the cookie <laughs> jar, I tell you, are, you're all over are, it. Are you as sort of bemused and fascinated with just how far back we're going now? Like, I mean, yeah. Steph Curry's the obvious one of... Yeah. In another oh. 10 years, how, <laughs> where, yeah. are we, where will no. we be at? How oh. far can we start dropping these threes in from? A lot of it that has evolved because, one, of skill, of course, but analytics. Yeah. The numbers say... Crack the code of... Yep. Shoot the three. We, we don't want any mid-range. In fact, we're outlawing a mid-range shot. Yep. You're either taking a three or getting to the rim. No 16-footer. And, and, and you know, I love the long ball. I absolutely appreciate and respect it and what Steph and Clay and the Golden State Warriors have done over the last five years. It's, it's been phenomenal. But... I don't want to use... There are certain elements of the way, the trend of just blazing away from the three-point line, the aesthetic of it... Starting to... It's starting to cross. get to a point... We've got to be a little bit careful yep. about, you know, see people going up and just blaze away from the three-point line. Unless you're Steph Curry, who is a freak, yep. it can look a little... A little ho-hum. Can I take you right back to the start? So my understanding, you, you um, 
You moved into a cottage on the ed next to yeah. the Albert Park yep. basketball courts, which yep. I which I played at as a junior. Good on you. There's there's a lot of talk, and, and Nat Fife on this show talked yeah. about. He was aware of you know the ten thousand hours of just being able to put in that time. Yep. How many hours would you have just spent just shoot, shooting baskets at those on those courts? The greatest advantage I had was more environmental. Yep. because of where I was born, like you mentioned. When I was born, my dad was the general manager of Basketball Victoria, and part of his responsibilities back then was managing the Albert Park Basketball Complex. Wow. So I had a nine-court stadium as my backyard. Yep. When I come home from school and I'm walking through, I'm walking through to get to my house, I'm walking through the stadium, take a few shots. So they're not official practice, yep. but you're constantly around it. it and yep. you're constantly playing every single night. The, the games would be on. A team would be short. a player short. There's this big-headed little fella coming to help us out. And I'd be literally 11 or 12 playing with men in yep. D-grade where they're absolute thugs. Yep. And, and you, you learn in that environment uh, quickly about behaviours, about yep. how you get away without... How you can... Never mind about playing. How just you can not find a way. Getting hurt. Being exposed to that amount of basketball yeah. and, and then being a young man playing against men, that on one hand, that's that's a great advantage. Yep. But on the other hand, do you sort of think, well, how the, the, the idea of burnout? 100%. And I look back on it and it, it really just comes for an innate love of the game. Yep. I love to play. Yep. When you're out there and you've got something cooking, Yep. You start to go, this is, this is my drug. Yep. This is my yeah, high. Is, yeah. You played in Europe, played in Italy. Mm. Then the Washington Bullets yes. take a pass at you. What was, it, what was the first game? Did, did it feel yep. like you'd stepped into another world? It did. It did for me because the thing about that time, and it's true stories, when I arrived at, uh, at the Bullets, they put you through this all this physical testing. And possibly the most stupid thing I've ever done. You're in there, and this is three or four days before the first game, and they had this leg press test, all right? You had to do your body weight five times or half your body weight as many times as you can. Right. And I looked up on the wall, and it's got, like, the team, um, like sort of bench team records. Yep. Okay, in the bench press, all right? So I, I, I go in there and I said, well, I'll take half the body weight as many reps as I can. And in my own head, I said, I'm beating that thing. Yeah. The stupidest, most idiotic thing I could have ever done. So I'm there and I'm pushing, 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 trying to get this record and literally go to the extremes of my capacity. You always wonder, well, what is your Where's capacity? The line? Where <laughs> Where's is the, the line? Mate, I was right on that line, may have even crossed ding, it. Ding, 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 And got there, and it was a big moment. Honestly, for the next two days, <laughs> mate... You're like John Wayne off the I've like, never off the had more excruciating... <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I mean, the pain in my legs, I couldn't walk. And and the, here's, here's the other thing, because you're trying to fit in with your teammates, because I've only known them a day or two. Yeah. The first game, it's a home game, uh, we're playing against Denver. And we're there, and, and it's two days later, so I'm still really, really sore. So I go to the, the, the trainer, and um, I said to old mate, I said, mate, my legs are still cooked. Have you got... And he said, we've got this um, heat. It's, it might help loosen it up. It was called 
I think it was called Flexel. Have you used it? <laughs> Flexel. I don't know what it is. So anyway, so I'm running, rubbing in my legs, and I've got it all on my legs, and your legs are on fire now. I mean, this is Denker Rub times 10. I'm starting to sweat a little bit because it's so hot in the legs. Just before Wes gives us our speech to, to go out, I want to go in there and just, you know, take care of business. So I go in there and I like to, have, I like to relieve myself just to make sure when you're out yeah, there... You're no, no distractions. So I'm in there and I, and I tidy up. And I've got this flexor a little bit on my hand. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is a true story, mate. So I, I must have given a glancing blow on the cheeks. <laughs> and let me tell you... The greys. The, around the, I don't know, you've got more nerve endings or something. <laughs> My date is on fire. <laughs> All right? So I'm there. You know how I was sweating before? Yeah. My date's on fire. I'm in a full sweat. And this is the first time of me in the locker room before we run out in an NBA game and take on the Denver Nuggets. And, and you can see, you know how you're looking around your teammates and look, they're thinking, geez, he's nervous. What's well, yeah. wrong with the man? Because they've got no reference of what you're doing. They don't know. This is his method. But the legs. <laughs> and the date is on fire. Yeah, he likes All to right? do max squats three days before that's and then it. he likes to really get worked up so, into a lather. That's it. Can I ask you, Gazy? On this show, we've talked, and particularly with the musicians, Tex Perkins and Paul Kelly, they yep. talked about the magic for them in what they do is the, the cohesion amongst yep. the band, where yep. something is taking place that even they're not quite sure what it is, but yep. they feel it. Yep. That must be something in basketball, because there's just the five of you on court. Yep. Can you describe that? Uh, how that feels? It's hard to describe, but you're absolutely spot on and you would know it as well. When you get a group together that has this, uh, this goal that everyone's striving for, that you just love being around the group, you accept your role, you understand that sometimes there may have to be sacrifice, you're prepared to make those sacrifices and... You have a, a structure, a coach, where everyone just has that comfort zone. Yeah. We sometimes get caught up in the reward, and that is winning the championship. Yeah. Uh, but that is fleeting. And that euphoria is there for a very short period of time, but the other stuff sticks with you. I don't know any other way to describe it. It's those feelings when you get that group together, mm. that success is not necessarily winning the title, which yeah. is the nice cherry on top, yeah. but... That success is a beautiful thing to be a part of, and what you remember, what I remember the most. Yeah. If you look at the American team on in 2004 that lost, unbelievable talent: LeBron, Camelo, Allen Iverson, incredible talent. Yeah. But you can see that they didn't have it. Yeah. They were there for themselves. It wasn't about the USA. It was about the name on the back of the yeah. jersey, not the front of the jersey. Is the challenge for this boomers now, because these are the star boomers. Yep. So these guys, these are established NBA yeah. guys and in some cases, yeah. stars. Superstars. Yeah, Ben Simmons yeah. is a superstar. And mm. he's got Joe Ingalls and these guys. Yeah. But can they get the cohesion? Can they, are they able to, yep. you, are you watching from mm. at the moment just sort of saying, I wonder how this gels yeah. together? Well, based on what we saw in Rio, um, there was a group that, they're stars, but a lot of them are veteran stars. Now, they're going to add some rookie stars coming in, or super mega stars in someone like Ben Simmons to this group. But those veterans of that group that we've seen more recently, 
you know, Andrew Bogut, Paddy Mills, Joe Ingalls, Matty Delavadova, um, Aaron Bain, these guys, they go beyond just their skill. There is a genuine passion and desire yep. to make this work. They've checked the egos at the door. They are not doing this to get a better contract in the NBA. They are doing it a for purity. the jersey. There's a purity to there it. There is a purity to it is a good way to describe it, which was, to me, evident in in um, in Rio. You must still watch a bit of footy, Hawks have yes. had, had modern success. Do you see, having spent a lot of time in the States and yep. basketball having such a strong American culture, yep. have you observed that culture filtering into the AFL? A hundred percent. And over the journey, there's been a lot, a lot of coaches um, come and ask to meet and talk about... AFL, like AFL uh, coaches. Yep, yep. Uh, come and ask about uh, the various strategies. But the, the, the concepts of zones, I yep. think they've, they've taken a lot out of that. The concept of, of screening, yep. how in which you on-ball screens and off-the-ball screens, although it's not totally legal in your game, yep. the way in which you can still create those... That, that, those not, not totally legal means that it happens well, as often as we can. It, technically, it might be, but yep. those inadvertent collisions that yep. you might call that we would call screening, yep. a whole bunch of things you've seen come into the game. And I think it's a, uh, a reason why many of the, the, um, the players that transfer from basketball to football have a bit of an advantage because yeah. those types of concepts are, are ingrained in you at a very early age in basketball. Do you like, see something in the way that when they move yeah. Of, yeah, through you, the traffic? You do. Yeah. And a lot of it's footwork sometimes. Yeah. It's not necessarily the outcome. It's the way in which they get to that outcome. Yeah. The way in which they almost play a pass ahead or a kick ahead, you yeah. might call it, or yeah. whatever it is. They, they, they sort of see things un, uh, uh, unfolding and that's sometimes the brilliance that's yeah. very hard to teach. Yeah. Uh, and, and they have these innate skills that you see, those basketball movements, little drop step, the way in which they'll pivot, yeah. which are very much a part of our game with your yeah. footwork. You see that with those guys quite regularly. Yeah. Am I right in assuming or remembering that the, the Tigers had a set, yes. had a set offensive routine that was... Yes, so there the was shuffle no, offence. The shuffle offence that yes. was... <laughs> I kind of think about that a lot. So what you lose in the element of surprise, so this is what Correct. we do. This is who we are, this is what we do. Yep. But we think we do it better than all of you. Correct. When you get it right, it is an absolute thing of beauty. It, it, it would be, wouldn't it be just like grinding, it like is, pummeling into the... Like, was, you, we told you what we were going to do and we still did it. And, it was and you destroy them. Absolutely. So funny for us some of the time. I mean, we'd be calling a play almost with a smile on our face because we knew exactly what yeah. the defence you, was going to do. You've done it 10,000 times. They've had four days to prep for it. Yes. And, and everyone goes, geez, the connection you and Leonard Copeland had, those alley-oop plays, extraordinary. I mean, how did you... Some sort of telepathic yeah. thing. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was a system that's trained and practised and yeah. you, you went through it and, you know... Oh, we're going to put the spies out. <laughs> mate, you give them the play. You want, what do you want to know? <laughs> Here you go, mate. I remember the moments of, you know, spy, people, Hawthorne sort of spying on Bulldogs training, yeah. and I remember sort of laughing, going, half of these blokes don't know what they're <laughs> exactly. doing. So good luck watching it from the side and go, I tell you what they're doing. That's, yeah, that's yeah, it. They do U-turns, so we're not meant to. No. They say coaching is a 
can be a lonely experience. Yes. Did, did you find that? I mean, you, you had to move cities to coach yeah. the Sydney Kings. Was that... How tough was that? I, I, I don't know whether lonely is the right way, but you go to some really dark places. Yeah. And you... Uh, you carry the weight of an owner, a fan base, a player base, administration, your fellow coaches. Yep. You carry a very significant burden in all those areas. Yep. You know the answers. I felt I always knew the answer. Yeah. But trying to get to implement the answer... Not as easy. Not as easy. And you're dealing with guys that this is their livelihood, being a former player, you understand how fleeting their career is, yep. how every post needs to be a winner because who knows the, the opportunities you're going to get. You're never going to have the same team from one year to the other. Yep. So that group is always a unique situation. All those things, for me, because I played and valued those things so much, weighed heavily. Yep. I was never measuring it by the ultimate prize. That would take care of itself. It's the other stuff that, that's hard. I think it's interesting. I mean, someone like yourself, even when I was talking to people I know about sitting down today to chat with you, yeah. that you are an immensely positive, optimistic person and that coaching can take you to a dark place. Yes. Then I, I described coaching in, coaching in a football sense, so yep. your, your world is different yep. to mine, but I always describe the coach is the sun in the solar system and right. that everyone else revolves around that around Spot the sun on. and they draw energy from that. Great analogy. Is that how you found it? Great analogy. Really like it. In fact, I might even bring that into that's the great. repertoire. I'll, I'll, <laughs> it's yours. And I won't give you credit for that's it a, either. That's OK. That's but fine. That is... I, I'm sure I pinched it off someone. I haven't just... had an original no, but that is since we decided to prank call you in 93. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is spot on. Talk to me about your time with the San Antonio Spurs. So what, what sort of contract was it with the Spurs? Yeah, they came to me and said, we we're going to sign you. Very honest and frank, said, basically, we think you're going to be a great insurance policy. Yep. If something goes wrong yep. with one of these guys where you're at with your career, you might be able to help. And uh, would you be interested? And I said, well, of course. Too good to pass up. Yeah, it was too good to pass up. And it's funny, when you actually go through it and you read, I don't know, probably changed a little bit now, but you read a, a standard NBA contract, their Players Association, my goodness, they they cover everything. Yeah, right. I mean, the, it, one of the clauses yeah. actually guarantees you against lack of skill. It actually <laughs> says that. You're going to get your money, even if you're no good. It, it's, it's one of those ones, though, that if there was a dictionary that said, what's the definition of the most ins insignificant player on an NBA title team, there would be a smiling face of me right there it was a 50-game... I think I actually got in maybe 19, 20 games, might have yeah. actually played in. Um, didn't play in any of the finals series. But was there and was able to share in that experience and incredibly grateful for that opportunity uh, to see and be a part of a, a, an NBA championship winning team. No ring today. I noticed you're uh, jewellery free today. If, I, if, if you invited me over for uh, brisket yes. on a Sunday... Would the, ring, would the ring come out or is it stored no. away? Is it ever...? The ring doesn't come out. It's in a trophy cabinet at home. Um, I don't ring it out. I, I don't... I Why don't is that? feel... I don't personally feel worthy of it or that this is something I should be 
promoting to say, well, look at me, look at the achievement. Others mention it a lot and I kind of cringe a little bit to think, well, geez, well, I feel like I'm a bit of an imposter. Yeah. Um, but internally I have great peace with it. Yeah. But how others... You're, I, yeah, you're a bit on, on edge of how, how others... Would perceive yeah. how I... Yeah, I understand that. Think of it, you know, and it's one that you just go, I'm really grateful for it for myself, but I'm not going to lord my yep. involvement uh, in it. I remember in the in the day in the day or two after the the Bulldogs Premiership, and yep. so everyone's at, the whole place is at the pub, and it's, at, yep. it's the all you know, the whole club, and everyone's yep. there. And uh, I was chatting with a couple of the guys who were emergency on the day, right. and we were we were a few we were a few beers in, but we were right. sort of laughing with each other that yeah. we sort of said. Isn't it amazing how you feel a part of it until someone would come and go, you know, you're a part of it. <laughs> that was the moment you'd go, oh. I would actually argue that players like yourself or players that have contributed throughout the course of the season are just as worthy to receive that level of recognition uh, as those 22 that run out. Now, I know that's not the AFL culture and yeah. that's not the way... I'm not a yeah. premiership player unless I actually yeah. played in the game. Yeah. But the reality of it is that you do not get there, you do not get those opportunities without the whole. In the NBA, it's extraordinary. All the players get a ring, the administration get a ring, yeah. the wives get a ring, because they recognise yeah. that all of this combined mm. brings that opportunity. It's and tricky ground, I think. It is tricky, and, I, and you I and get, I think you're on the same page. Yeah, I, get, I, I shift. Yeah. I sort of get a bit shifty in my seat. Well, you shouldn't. You no. shouldn't. Your, yours is completely different. Like, if um, if the Golden State Warriors had a won it this year, Kevin Durant yeah. is worthy of recognition to yeah. say he was a part of a championship. Yeah. Even though he, he was injured and didn't, you know, play 12 minutes. But yeah. just like, so, so, and I think in mm. your situation it's more similar to that than it is with me as a flying guy that's there as an insurance policy that just sort of filling a hole as opposed to... Well, for what it's worth, I thought you should have worn the jewellery today. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, Daisy, thank you so much for... I mean, no thanks for sharing a milkshake. Yes, sort of nice to, nice to Beautiful. Nice to have a drink with you. Yep. Uh, I've just got one last question. Yes. Why no dunk? <laughs> YouTube. I'm a dunking machine. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> thank you, mate. I'm in McDonald's on the way to a game to get him a chicken, and Rats was on SEN, and they were saying, Fez playing against the Northern Blues today, um, how do you think he'll go? And he goes, he won't get a kick. Jam Jamo's been training for a long time, he won't get a kick. And I had about four bites of the chicken, so I wrapped it up, put it back in the bag, and I said, I'm on. This has been a Fox Sports production.